we want the researcher to really thinking about how far they can push technology, how far they can push the state of the art. And so this is why we encourage people to take a risk and we even go as far to turn it. If you think too much about technology, most likely you will make a too small step. And that's not good enough for research because if the most thing we do are incremental, then I think research will fail its purpose. You're listening to the Microsoft Research Podcast, a show that brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology research and the scientists behind it. I'm your host, Gretchen Huizinga. In 1998, Microsoft Research opened a small lab in Beijing to expand its research efforts and draw on the immense high-tech talent pool in China. No one expected that only 20 years later, MSR Asia would become the dynamic organization it is today, with innovative research contributing to nearly every part of Microsoft's business. Dr. Xiao Wenhan has watched it grow from the beginning, and this year celebrates the lab's 20th anniversary as managing director, corporate vice president, and chairman of Microsoft's Asia-Pacific R&D Group. On today's podcast, Dr. Han gives us a brief history of MSR Asia, from its humble beginnings to its significant role in the AI boom today, talks about MSR Asia's unique talent pipeline, shares his vision for the complementary roles of machine intelligence and human wisdom, and explains why, he believes, the more progress we make in AI, the better we understand ourselves. That and much more on this episode of the Microsoft Research Podcast. Xiao Wen Han, welcome to the podcast today. It's great to have you in person in the studio all the way from China. Thank you, Gretchen. It's nice to be here. So you're the corporate vice president of Microsoft, a chairman of Microsoft's Asia-Pacific R&D Group, and the managing director of Microsoft Research Asia. What has inspired you mm-hmm. to do the work you do and to take on this giant set of tasks? Mm-hmm. I actually think I have the best job in Microsoft in the world. The reason is, Every day when I wake up, I will explore the future possibility. I will do this experiment, that experiment, try this idea, try that idea. I do know not all of them will work. Actually, many of them will fail. I mean, that's the nature of the game because you're really trying to explore the unknown. But it's really the process. And I understand people like to get a good result. They want to get reward. They want to really have impact and result-driven. We offer that. But I think the feeling of every day you wake up, you know you will explore something new. And then someone even pay you to do those kind of work. And a lot of times they even encourage you to take more risk, to think bigger, to actually do more risky projects. That process itself is so enjoyable. So you've been with Microsoft for a really long time. You started in 1995? Yes. And that's not long after Bill Gates started Microsoft Research in 1991. Mm-hmm. Were you with the research organization when you started? Yes. What was the vision for a research division in general then? And how have you seen the enterprise writ large evolve over the years since you've been there? If you actually go back to 1991, Microsoft is still, compared to today, is a tiny company. But even that, Microsoft already in the young software industry is already the undisputed leader. And I think it's really built foresight that we really need to continue to move the state of the art uh, the technology landscape in general software area. So I think he set up the MSR 
he wants the future computer can listen, can understand humans' language, can actually recognize object, understand the world, can do the conversation. And I think at that time, I mean, if you remember, there's a two AI winter. That's really the first winter.、Right? And so I think it's really a very gutsy and the foresight of Bill to、yeah. actually start the research. I remember when I joined the MSR, we have less than forty people. And today we grow to the size of thousand people. Of course, Microsoft also grow a lot, and、sure. I think the whole industry also grow a lot. So I think certainly it's a good journey. So then the research division was here. Yes. And you were here. Yes. So that's all. Like my organization today in China, Microsoft Research Asia. The reason we have Microsoft Research Asia is because we want to expand the company. We want to expand the MSR. So、mm. I remember when I joined, I think Rick, our big boss in MSR, and Bill had a conversation, and then we immediately know. We cannot just have the research lab in U.S. Yeah, because we know we want higher enough, and also we don't believe all the smart and the most passionate people doing research will all come to U.S. to、sure. work for Microsoft. So we better go to where they are. This is why we start international expansion. And then the in '97 we did our Europe lab in、yeah. Cambridge. In '98 we actually did the China lab in the Asia Pacific、right. area, and then the rest of history. I think the key is at that time no one think we are even close or willing to invest to actually do those kind of AI technology development or research. So this is why I think we should really very very thankful to Bill's foresight, also the willingness to actually invest, put money、time. behind it. Even though Bill know it will take a long time. Sure. And I think Bill probably will think it will take more than twenty, thirty years. I don't think he will predict we really have the AI boom today.、Sure. And then today, you just cannot escape a day without any AI news or activity, right? So I think people thought about that, but at that time, people think about just science fiction, right? And then the reason they call AI winter, it's very few people want to invest in it, including government, right? And,、mm-hmm. and interestingly, too, I think most research. Institutions embedded in industry were applied research,、mm-hmm. as opposed to let's let some scientific minds have some free reign here、mm-hmm. and really think out for that long time. Yes, you are absolutely right, and I think the company is there to make money.、Sure. So typically, most company can only invest on something more short-term basis, which is actually right thing. And I think university, government, funding agency can do very long-term research. That's how our society works. And I think Bill, I think that he recognized the industry and also company when they are successful, they need to participate in building this so-called state-of-the-art, advanced state-of-the-art technology. Because very simple, look at the high-tech world. I think it's because the fundamental technology got advanced, so the pipe. They build become bigger and bigger.、Yeah. People can build the better application. So in return, they had all this、uh, positive feedback cycle. So every company will benefit.、Yeah. And I think this is why when we build the MSR, the three core mission was defined very clearly. The first one is advanced state of the art, and that's really just similar to academic research happening in university. You also encourage the researcher to actually publish. All they have done, and then share with the whole world. That's really a very important aspect because in all the science 
and engineering advancement in our history. We always talk about you stay on the shoulder of the giant, everyone can look further. So、yeah. I think it's very important for industry, for company, commercial company to participate in this state of the art building. And then the second mission, of course, is called technology transfer because, of course, Microsoft want to benefit from. All the great research result we have done to improve our product, so、sure. that will make our product more competitive. And then the third one is incubation, which is also extremely important in our industry because the breakthrough really happen in the much much fast pace than any other industry. So Microsoft will want to make sure we always stay on top of that. And then another better way to do that is to invest and also to invent. The future, and I think the incubation become the third part of our core mission. Let's talk about Microsoft Research Asia.、Mm-hmm. It's celebrating a milestone anniversary this year, twenty years in China. Let's talk a little bit about the expectations for MSR Asia twenty、mm-hmm. years ago. And why you believe this particular lab of MSR has been good for Microsoft, good for China, and actually even good for the world? So, twenty years ago, the reason we go to China is because we want to expand MSR,、mm. and then we know China has a huge number of raw talent. Right, and on top of that, I think the STEM attract a lot of the young kid to study those areas. So, twenty years ago, our first, I would say, milestone. Really come from the mission we set up, like first mission, advanced state of the art. I think to a large extent, we contribute a big part to the effort to bring China to the world class research landscape.、Mm. I think really the first significant paper published in the world class journal or conference really come from. Our collaboration work with the university faculty and the students, but twenty years ago, really the first breakthrough, right from zero to the the, <laughs> the landscape. I think we contribute a big part to that effort, and、yeah. we, we certainly feel very proud of. And also, not just that, not just really take to the landscape. And particular, you mentioned how this is good for the world. I think in terms of the academic exchange and the、mm. interaction between. China and the U.S. in by and large because we、mm-hmm. are U.S.-based company, and they get to develop their partnership with the university、mm-hmm. faculty and student. And now again, the China represent the in terms of the graduate student in U.S. is the biggest source, right? And also the interaction between the top university in U.S. top university in China now it's almost on the day-to-day basis. And I think、uh, we also feel. Very honored to actually play a big role to make this as known today, and I think we all know, particularly in the science and the engineering world of innovation, the more global collaboration and interaction are good thing for、right. everyone. And they're talking about the Microsoft. Of course, we benefit from that, right? Almost all major Microsoft product over the year until today all have the MSRA contribution, and then on the incubation part, we also have several technology inside Microsoft are. Totally started and responsible by MSI to actually start the effort. That's an amazing track record for twenty years mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. on the planet. That's、mm-hmm. just amazing, and so much of it comes from the talent、mm-hmm. that you get. 
Talk about MSRA's particular approach to the talent pipeline. You talk about incubation, Mm -hmm. you talk about your internship, and you talk about your training. Tell us about that. Yes. We always say in Microsoft, our biggest essay is people, right? And in research, it's actually more so. How do you generate the best research result? Hire the best talent. And in China, it's a little bit different. When we went to China 20 years ago, they don't really have established research in computer science for us to hire. Almost. <laughs> so, so we need to really help to foster the future talent for computer science research. Right. So this is why from day one, we know we need to engage with university to help to bring up the students to prepare them for the future computer science research. Even here today, we have a very, very distinct internship program. Typically, when people think about intern, is for people to work in just summer, three, maybe four months in the lab. In our internship, we always have all year long internship wow. program. One of the reasons we can do that is many of our senior researchers, including myself, we take professorship in the top university in okay. China. Because of that, we actually can take on the PhD student. That means after the student finish the coursework, they will spend two or even three years with us to actually do their PhD work supervised by us. So we actually have intern work in our lab for a long time. And the number is also mind-boggling. We actually have more intern than the full-time employee. Our ratio is about 1.5 to 1 in terms of intern to employee ratio. So the talent fostering is always a big part of our operation. And I think, of course, that in turn generated a lot of good results. So it's about three years ago, we decided to do a MSI alumni network. So today we have an alumni network has more than 5,000 people. Of course, a big part of them, our intern. And then because of unique, the timing and also the way we do these things, it's also totally coincide with the development of the China IT industry. Right? Okay. And then you look at the number, we have 10 plus alumni, which act as the CXO, mostly a CTO for the big public trading IT company. Wow. And then on the academic front, we have 30 plus professor, now established professor in the Chinese university. Hmm. We also have the 50 plus founder for the startup uh, oh, in China. And then five of them already reached the unicorn status. <laughs> so it's actually... For so many influential people coming out of one organization in China or even in the whole world, probably it's unheard of. So I think truly it's a win-win-win situation yeah. for Microsoft, for industry, for China. And I think just like today, just like the diversity and inclusion area, you got to take a broader view, not mm. just for yourself, because you will only improve or make the true progress if the entire ecosystem, entire platform has the right mix and representative of the talent you want, right, like whether right. it's diversity, whether it's the best research talent. If you don't take this view, I don't think you will go very far. Let's talk about the unique focus of Microsoft Research Asia. So I guess I can answer this question in a sort of philosophical way. I know people want a good result. I think the Microsoft also a result-driven company. And then also it's easy to report when you actually have a good result and make a good story in the press, mm-hmm. right? But the real day-to-day work in research doesn't really happen that way. 
if the researcher say, well, the reason I do project A because I think a project A can generate a great result so I can get a reward. I would say this is probably already a wrong thing to think about. <laughs> I, I think the right thing to think about is we are an organization. We encourage people to focus most of their time on what do they think the future technology will be. And don't yet think about the application yet, right? Sometimes we call this speculative research. Once I make the progress, there will always be a lot of people who can think about how to apply this technology to make money to actually go for the real world impact. So we really want the people to change the status quo of technology, not necessarily status quo of the market share or number of users or application. We have plenty of the business people and product people to think about that. We want the researcher to really think about how far they can push technology, how far they can push the state of the art. And so this is why we encourage people to take a risk and we even go as far to turn in. If you think too much about technology, most likely you will make a too small step and that's not good enough for research. Because if the most thing we do are incremental, then I think research will fail its purpose. So earlier we talked about the AI winter and the AI spring that some people are saying is a result of a number of factors in high tech that are all converging at the same time. Talk a little bit about this AI spring. So I think early on we mentioned, even myself, I actually experienced two AI winter. And then now everyone can notice now AI is a hot topic. No one can escape. I mean, <laughs> from. So this is why some people call right now it's AI spring. But there are also people, particularly some research or research world worry too much hype and then too much expectation and mm. then we might not be able to deliver will cause another AI winter so some people say maybe now it's AI autumn <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think the, the real happen I think Michael also used the right word called te- digital transformation even though the AI technology we have today still has some limitation but this can do a lot with so-called data-driven intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that will actually power a lot of digital transformation for just about everything we do in business, everything we do in life. So mm-hmm. that transformation is real and it's happening. It's already happening for a couple of years and will actually continue at least for foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly very exciting in business. But in terms of technology, most AI today are the black box. You can solve the what problem but cannot solve why problem. This today is still a very hard problem. We actually barely scratch the surface. We haven't made even any significant progress yet, but we need to continue push the technology as a researcher. I use the word AI plus HI. So it's always the mm. AI to help the human intelligence, help human to solve problem together. So we build AI system to actually help us to solve, but the algorithm always come from us. So who is master, it's actually very clear. And then <laughs> of course, we need to make sure all the master will use the AI in the right way, right. Not, not actually use the AI to do any harmful stuff. So that's really how I think about it. 
I like this idea that you just mentioned, the Mm co-evolution of human and machine intelligence. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about why you think co-evolution of intelligence is an important thing to address today? Yeah, I do have a talk I gave, particularly in China, talking about co-evolution of AI and HR, human intelligence. Actually, this is based on my personal experience. When I studied AI 20 years ago, I also think AI very differently than today. And the more discovery you make in AI, the more progress we make in AI, then we at the same time also understand ourselves better, myself better, my mm-hmm. intelligence better. And I think the human intelligence is actually built on creativity, not really necessarily building on memorize a lot of the data. We do see data. We need to inspire by looking at data, but we cannot look at lots of data or memorize a lot of data. So in a sense, we invent computer to help us do things we know how to do. So we will free us to thinking about harder problems, to actually come up with the algorithm for other harder problems. And we also realize our creativity, particularly the problem solving, not to mention the wisdom. I mean, I don't think I'm qualified to define wisdom, right? I mean, give people the wiser advice. I think that's also what the humans so uniquely possess. If you asked me this question 10 years ago, I probably would not articulate that way because I think the intelligence, uh, we used to think that someone can memorize or someone mm-hmm. can compute very fast, very accurately, think about it's one form of the unique intelligence. intelligence. But today, no one's trying to compete with a calculator, not even talk about computer. Oh, memory, right? I already moved for three years. I still have not remembered my home phone number. Right? <laughs> so so I think the, the way we think about intelligence really changed once we make more discovery. And then the other part I also mentioned, humans' intelligence mostly not to do with big data, but with small data. Think about Einstein 100 plus years ago. He has no equipment to observe. He just hypothesis. We don't know how he hypothesis. And then right. 100 years later, we use the modern equipment. We can barely observe those waves. You cannot argue Einstein certainly has no big data, probably has zero data, right? So just like a creativity, right? A lot of time, you just come up with idea. People ask you where you come from. You cannot explain. On the other hand, Today's AI is all based on huge amount of data. We cannot consume so much data, but we can come up with algorithm, let the computer to look through the data. Then a lot of time, even that, still not enough. You still need to do your prediction and guess and the creativity. Yeah. All combined, you actually can make the big progress. So I think the co-evolution, there's another aspect. We should also feel lucky, not feel threatened. We are the first generation of the humankind. We live together with the AI, something we created, right? So mm-hmm. we can use that as a tool to help us to solve problems, to inspire us to think about problems in a new way, also inspire us to think about ourselves differently. The reason I'm so optimistic is we are the master, right? Mm-hmm. We invent them since they are not real life form. I don't think there's a, I don't <laughs> think there's a moral issue to say we are the master. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's fascinating because, I, you know, you listen to the popular press, you listen to some of the big sort of naysayer voices out there that are, we're doomed, we've created our demise. And yet maybe they're looking at it the wrong way and thinking about it too largely. And it's more like they say here, augment, not replace. The machine has no life. We have the life, right? So... This is why if there's a machine, 
will do all these harmful things. I guarantee there's a life form designer behind that. There's、oh. got to be a human behind that. Machine has no life and then no DNA, right? We、mm. we have the DNA to tell us we need to survive. We need to fight. For our、mm. gene to continue, so this is why we <laughs> love our kids. We need to continue our gene. Yeah, machine. I mean, come on, the <laughs> machine is got programmed by human, right? It's not there's a bio gene telling they need to fight for survival, <laughs> fight for resource, right? I mean, this this is why I think philosophically, I'm not saying there's no bad machine. But the source of bad machine got to be a human, human. behind that, right? So a、human. designer, a bad human designer.、Right. So we better regulate the human. But not worried about the machine. Yeah, and maybe it's not a bad designer, but somebody who designed for a good purpose, and it got taken on by somebody with bad intentions. But still, people. Absolutely. Like, still, human all the good、actors. or bad,、yeah. all at the end, all attribute to people. It's human. Right. You are to many of our listeners an inspiration. Especially when it comes to your career in high tech, among your titles is corporate vice president, chairman, distinguished scientist, managing director, IEE fellow. But you didn't start there. Much like Microsoft Research Asia, you started small. What was your path、mm-hmm. to where you are today? Yeah, I think when I grew up, for whatever reason, I just love math. But at the same time, I also like application. Or you can say I like to see real world impact. So this is why, looking back, it's actually not surprised I end up here. So I got a double E undergraduate degree, and I really like abstract math. So I go to study computer science at CMU, got my PhD.、Mm. After PhD, typically when you got a PhD, you can go to academic. I like the academic, but I also think I want to see application. I、mm-hmm. want to see the impact, and the impact at that time decide well, impact.、Mm, doing computer science. If I can see the technology can benefit, can be used by millions. At that time, I think about millions. Today, I always think about billions, right? Billions <laughs> of people. So this is why I end up joining Microsoft. And also going back to your first question, Microsoft start research. That's such an exciting thing. I mean, not just product. I don't think I will be happy just doing product and not to actually push the technology envelope to explore all this future possibility, right? So the combination of research. And then product impact not directly indirect because I'm not responsible for product. But if I see my technology, whether it's a computer vision or speech or system technology being used by millions, billions of people, I think that I feel I really do something tangible for humankind. So if I really look back, I think two things. One is it's not a surprise to end up here. But second, I also say I need to be very thankful. Microsoft give me such wonderful opportunity for me to fulfill not only my goal, also give me a job. I actually find the fun to do every day and get up every morning, knowing I would explore this and that, and would try this and try that. And then the process itself, a lot of time, it's enjoyable. Already so enjoyable already. Not to mention if I can have a good result along the way. Sounds like a wonderful life. Xiao Wenhan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been inspiring. Thank you. To learn more about Dr. Xiao Wenhan and the latest innovations from MSR Asia, visit Microsoft.com/research.